hello and welcome to ECNM on air, a podcast series from ECNM magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm your host, Ellen Parson, editor in chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with some top executives from electrical contracting firms that are featured in this year's top 50 electrical contractors special report, which will be coming out at the end of September in the print issue as well as online. So they're here today to talk with us about important issues like how their firms have navigated the pandemic, how they're dealing with ongoing supply chain challenges, inflation, worker shortages, so many things, Um, you know, different new revenue streams that maybe have emerged from pivoting, how they position their companies for growth, and then, of course, wrapping up with the big things to watch in the market going forward. ECNM on Air is one of the many benefits available to our members-only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand-selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop-down menu under Premium Content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check out our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the Premium Content area. So... Today, we're talking with a handful of electrical contracting executives, including Wendy Davidson of MYR Group, Jeff Thede of MDU Construction Services Group, Tom Clark of Faith Technologies Incorporated, Miller Chalk and Gail Curlow of Inglet and Stubbs, and Brian Webb of Cash Valley Electric. So we have a big group today. I'm excited to hear everyone's perspectives on what's going on in the electrical contracting market. So I'm gonna let our guests introduce themselves briefly uh, before we jump right into the discussion. So Wendy, would you like to begin? Sure, thank you, Ellen. I'm Wendy Davidson, Vice President of Business Development for MYR Group. I lead business development and marketing for our company. We are a specialty electrical contractor with approximately half of our business in commercial and industrial segment, the other half in transmission and distribution. And I enjoy leveraging my 31 years of a diverse industry experience to help grow MYR companies. Great, Jeff. Thanks for the opportunity to have this discussion and be on this podcast. Uh, MDU Construction Services Group is a subsidiary of MDU Resources, a publicly traded company based in Bismarck, North Dakota. We're a specialty contractor providing power, gas, communications, transmission and distribution We also do mechanical, plumbing, HVAC, and industrial turnarounds. We design, manufacture, sales, and rentals of wire stringing equipment for the outside line industry. We've got a really diversified company participating in commercial, institutional, manufacturing, mission critical, also hospitality, and renewables. Okay. Tom. Thanks, Ellen, for having me today. Uh, Tom Clark, uh, Executive Vice President of Faith Technologies Incorporated, uh, in charge of everything sales and marketing um, for all three of our brands, uh, Faith Technologies, which is our electrical contracting business, Accelerate, which is our manufacturing business, and Intech Solutions, which uh, which is our energy business. So uh, headquartered in Wisconsin, but, but really located throughout the United States, including offices in Kansas City, Nashville, uh, Atlanta, um, and Phoenix. So thanks for having me. Yes, definitely. Uh, Miller and Gail? Hey, Miller Chalk. I'm president of England and Stubbs here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we are largely focused on the Atlanta market, specializing in healthcare and data centers. Uh, we also do low voltage work, a lot of commercial work, uh, and really pushing innovation in the offsite construction market that's got us really excited these days. We, we appreciate the opportunity to join you. 
Hi, Ellen. Uh, Gail Perlow, Vice President for England Stubbs, and uh, excited to be a part of the discussion, and thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Um, Brian, we'll finish off with you, and then we'll get started in the discussion. Now, Brian Webb with uh, Cash Valley Electric. We're headquartered in Logan, Utah. The name of the valley that our headquarters is located is named Cache Valley. That's where our name comes from. We are originated in 1915. We're a family-owned company. Uh, we specialize in everything from ground to cloud. And so we have multiple electrical divisions that we oversee. I'm the COO of the organization and I've uh, been with them for three years. My background is a general contractor uh, where I was an executive for the last 17 years prior to coming over to Cache Valley. Okay, wonderful. Um, since we have such a big group, we may want to, as we're speaking, mention your company names so that our listeners can can definitely identify who's speaking. Um, so that might be helpful. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I wanted to start off with something from our, you know, we have our annual top 50 electrical contractor survey, obviously, of, of which you are all a part. Um, and as a collective group, there was something that was somewhat surprising, at least to me, um, you know, every year we measure the revenue of the collective group. And this year, uh, that number was exceeded 40 billion. So that was a 20% gain from the 34.1 billion last year. Um, now these results are based on the 2021 numbers. So just for our listeners to, to identify with that, the 2022 list is based on the full year of 2021 numbers. Uh, so this does mark the biggest year over year jump in at least 15 years since we've been doing this. Uh, so I kind of wanted to get, you know, pick your brains and find out, does that surprise you at all? Given, you know, a lot of the challenges that are in play that everyone's been talking about, the lingering effects of the pandemic, supply chain, labor shortages, inflation. Um, so does that increase surprise you? Why or why not? And then how do you see this going, uh, you know, through the rest of this year and into next year? Wendy, would you like to start with that one? Sure. When I when I think of the big picture, you know, not just for MIR group, but but all of the companies, we've all been operating under a really complex economic environment, you know, especially for the past two or three years here. But there continues to be tremendous investment, clean energy, aging infrastructure, and electrification. So really the ability to capitalize on those opportunities during these challenging times is due in part to organizations' abilities to be you know, agile and adapt and couple that with a core business strategy that produces results, you know, because changes are only constant. So, you know, the remainder of 2022 will likely present both challenges and opportunities, but I think most organizations have learned they are far more agile and creative than they ever realized. And, and that's really helping them to find ways to be successful, you know, despite what's coming at them in the market. Right. It just, that just seemed like kind of a big jump. So, you know, I was really pleased to see that, but I'm not sure everyone, you know, the readers would expect that. So um, I wanted to find out, you know, what you all think is behind that. So that definitely kind of, you know, explains that. Anyone else have any thoughts on that? Tom, how about you? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it surprises me. I think there's some, some things driving that. I think we were, we were coming out of a time that year prior where a lot of the spending was, was frozen with COVID and um, people not understanding what was happening. Um, I also think mega projects and, and large scale projects continue to increase in, in numbers throughout the U.S., which is driving up that number and it's going to be able to drive up that spend. So you see a lot of whether that's, you know, mission critical data centers, um, you know, things in the food space, um, things in, in manufacturing like battery manufacturing. So I think the relative scale and, and large number of those, what I'll say, mega projects, I think, is really driving that number up uh, even more. And, and I think we'll continue to do that moving into to 2023 and, uh, as well. Okay, so you you're, you feel like the 
the market's going to continue to go up as far as the revenue goes for your firms? Yeah, we, we were flat 21 to 22, uh, uh, 20 to 21, and, and really probably into 22. 23 is going to see a very large increase for us just in terms okay. of the backlog that we have. So I think from our perspective, when I'm sitting, it, I, I would see that that 40 billion is going to go up, I, I would think, in a pretty big uh, in a pretty big way in 2022. Again. Wow. OK. Uh, Miller, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with those those thoughts. And we, too, are seeing a huge increase in the mega projects in this market, uh, healthcare, data centers. It seems like every sector of the market we deal in, the projects are getting larger. And the, the inflation and the material escalation definitely plays a part in, in driving those, you know, the cost per square foot that we're seeing continues to rise. Uh, labor challenges and whatnot are, are a big issue for us, but uh, we've been able to manage you know, the work we've got and the, the conditions we're in, uh, we are seeing, you know, cost uh, where we typically see cost hitting a project schedule. It's, it's getting pushed back due to equipment deliveries and other constraints, uh, but the work's going in and we, we see a strong finish to 22 and, and a huge backlog going into 23 and beyond. Okay, great. That kind of uh, goes into my next question, which one of the uh, questions on the survey was about, um, you know, what types of things, what are their biggest challenges? What are electrical contractors' biggest challenges to finishing jobs on time and within budget? And definitely the number one thing, which won't be surprising, is supply chain issues. So uh, that was followed closely by delayed and canceled projects. Um, and then in addition, one of the other areas mentioned was the rising material prices. Obviously, um, they picked out wire and cable and distribution equipment as the two biggest categories that they were having major obstacles with. So just from your perspective, um, do you agree with that? What factors do you believe are having the greatest impact on your business uh, right now and then into the near future? Does that match up with what the respondents were saying? And do you think that's going to change at all going forward this year, maybe in the next year? Are the supply chain issue is going to get better. The labor shortage, probably not. You know, as we all know, that's an ongoing issue. So I'd like to get, you know, everyone's thoughts on that. Gail, would you like to start off? Yeah, sure. I, I, I think what we're seeing is an evolution of, of the marketplace and, and Wendy touched on it, but agility. I don't think these problems are going away. I think this is an evolution of the market. Just-in-time deliveries are not going to stop. I, I think it's something we're going to have to adapt to and where what we're seeing owners come to us with is, is more data management, transparency, and almost a consulting service where we're getting ahead of the issue and, and trying to tackle those problems for them so that they can um, make some operational level decisions and have us be industry experts. Uh, that's kind of how we're seeing a lot of our projects evolve and, and how owners are pro uh, approaching us. And uh, you know, that's where we're seeing these hyperscale projects come to us and, and trying to better understand when is the right time to build, uh, where is the right time, where is the right place to build, and, and how to overcome a lot of these issues that we're seeing with labor, material, and, and uh, particularly quoted items. So you're definitely having to educate your customers, it sounds like. So if this isn't going away, um, you know, is this going to be kind of the new normal with these kind of challenges? So you, does anyone see these getting better? Or do, you, or do you agree with Gail that it's something that you're just going to have to live with, um, you know, going forward. Wendy? You know, similar to what Gail just said, you know, we're seeing material and equipment pricing and availability as, as you know, one of the, the biggest challenges across our companies. And 
you know, to address this, we're working very collaborative with clients on early procurement strategies, you know, modified work package releases, alternative, you know, sourcing solutions. So it's, it's very much trying to get um, earlier in the process with them and help them mitigate, you know, those risks. And additionally, we're expanding our alliance relationships to foster even better communication and community and planning, you know, to help clients mitigate these risks because they're, you know, their, their workloads and, and um, capital expenditure plans are extensive and, and we need to help them to, to manage that as, you know, and deliver on their business goals. Great. Okay. Um, Jeff, what have, what have you seen in that area? Well, certainly with the labor challenges we've had across the country and industry, I think shares it uh, widely. And, and then this adaptation of our workforce uh, and work from home. We, we have a lot of our customers, not just some of our employees, uh, they're working from home. And so the availability of materials for us that we're responsible for uh, has, has been in a challenge. So additional proactive communication and uh, working with our vendor partners is key. But there's also uh, a challenge on schedule with uh, the materials that we don't provide. And we'd like to provide all of our electrical components, but some of our customers provide those, whether it's our utility con, uh, customers or uh, our general contractors. And so when there are delays that uh, we don't see coming because we're managing our own material, uh, that becomes uh, a challenge. So getting involved in an integrated project schedule, staying involved through the design assist process and being more uh, of a of a partner, not just with our upstream customers, but also with our suppliers. And as far as the labor is concerned, uh, I, I think we've done better in industry with recruitment. Uh, I think we're catching up with where we need to be because of the demand of our, our services and our industry is increasing and I think will continue to increase. So recruitment is really important uh, and, and also making sure that we're providing a good safe uh, work environment for our people and getting in the materials and the information that they need so they can be successful. Okay, Jeff, well, you, you mentioned the labor shortage uh, challenge that's obviously been going on for many, many years. Um, one of the questions we asked was, you know, were they experiencing worker shortages? That number just continues to go up. So this year, 81% of those surveyed said that yes, they were having worker shortage problems. Um, so is anyone else feeling that? What are you doing when it comes to hiring certain types of workers? Um, they said electrician, electrical foreman, and I believe journeymen were the most difficult positions to fill. So how does that align with what you're seeing? And we have to look at non-traditional means to be able to recruit people. If you look at our trade, I'm a third generation electrician, grandfather right. lineman and an inside electrician. So that's, that's really, uh, if you look at our apprenticeship class, that's where most of our people came from. But there are people don't even know about our industry. And there are people that are not aware of the opportunities and they don't really know what an electrician's job looks like. So we're having uh, more industry outreach, working with our, our associations across the country, but also doing things locally and making sure that we're bringing our kids to work day and, and having the ability to get them involved with a piece of equipment or looking at the modeling that we do so our industry is vast and has so many opportunities, no matter you know, what type of interest you have. And uh, 
our awareness and outreach, I think, has improved. We need to continue to improve. So you're always recruiting, basically. I've kind of noticed that just from LinkedIn and different things where it shows the major contracting firms are always hiring. So I assume that's the case with all of you. Does anyone else have any thoughts on the labor shortage and how you're dealing with that? Yeah, I'll jump in. Ellie, this is Brian with Cash Valley. You know, we've got a huge demand of, of resources that are going to be pulled from around the country. And Tom mentioned these mega projects. These are require enormous amount of manpower that are going to be on site. And it's always been when you have a mega job, there'll be travelers that'll come into the area and that they'll be able to work on that job. I'm not sure that's going to be the case anymore because there's work in every aspect of the country. And where the, where the labor is going to come from is a big concern. Um, we do have a recruiter that's on staff full-time trying to find individuals to go out and work. The average age of the uh, labor in the electrical industry is getting near retirement. Right. We're not replacing them fast enough. Uh, more people are leaving than they're coming in. And that's going to be a big concern. And, you know, Jeff mentioned the draw with the technology I think that'll be a big important factor that we have to work at is the more that we can integrate technology into our applications with uh, BIM, with the modeling, with prefab, with doing things a little bit different than maybe what's done in the past is going to enable this newer generation to be excited about going to work and uh, being in the electrical industry. That's a great point. That came up with some of the 30 under 30. We do that as well with, you know, these innovative young people and several of them did mention the technology and how um, you know, they didn't really anticipate going into the electrical industry, but then when they actually worked, maybe they had an internship or they had something, um, you know, that exposed them to what it actually was. They were like, this is really cool. And I get to do all these things and work on these great projects. And it's not something that they really recognized, you know, so maybe that's just a perception thing that as, you know, an industry, we need to teach them what, you know, how the exciting parts of, of the job are. So Gail, did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, ironically, some of our biggest competitors are our customers, right? So, uh, I mean, what, what we're rivaling is is the giga economy, and it's it's really kind of those entry level positions that we're that we're running up against. So, convincing folks that this is a viable career and there's a there's a long term goal has uh, has been an evolution, particularly during the the pandemic. So that's something we've been focusing on. And Jeff touched on it, but explaining that you're you're not just wiring up receptacles anymore. There's there's a path through bin. There's a path through prefab. There's a path through management. There's a lot of opportunities, and uh, you know sometimes we do a poor job of advertising some of the projects we go after. Uh, you know we define the landscape. Um, so it we that that's something we've evolved to uh, get better at. And then uh, finally, the, the training. I think we've had a more of an evolution in, in our training and, and really focused on that, particularly our entry-level foreman, uh, who we who have kind of gone through the project at a very rapid pace. And we've put in these leadership positions real quick without the, the industry knowledge and the tribal knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been a big focus for us. Great. Tom, what are you seeing on that front? Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of good points. Just a couple of things I think that, that we're doing is, is first is, is really construction manufacturing and, and driving as much as we can offsite. We know that finding um, electricians is going to be difficult. So if we can put it in a manufacturing environment and, and change that ratio of electricians to maybe general assemblers, that, that's going to help us out. 
the second thing we're doing is is really working hard to figure out a way to um, make this industry and make the trade more attractive to females. Um, we're losing half the population just simply because it's it's a it's a male dominated field. And if we can tap into finding a way to get females engaged, um, we believe it's going to be a key for us. So those are a couple of things I think that that we're really looking for and, and kind of changing the way things are done. Absolutely, thank you, Miller. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just going to say over the past few years we've put a big focus and effort on the local high schools and have seen great success in recruiting even even to the point of summer help where we can work them in our off-site facilities in a safe controlled environment uh, and and even though you know summer's over these kids are back to school we still have 25 high school kids working for us now on you know afternoons and weekends and and we see that as a huge you know, long-term success to get these kids in and, and let them see the industry and see see the, the fun parts of what we do and what we get to build. Uh, and they're, they're a part of these projects. And, um, you know, we've had great success in bringing them through the, the summer program and, and then into the apprenticeship program after that. That's awesome. Um, and then some of the, you know, kind of going into my next question was, you know, to talk about um, you know, the infrastructure bill, which is now the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, um, you know, but a lot of these new areas like electric vehicles, renewables, some of the areas, you know, that might be attractive to young people, um, either from, you know, a, just a mindset standpoint, you know, sustainability, those types of things are just some, like you've mentioned the cool mega projects that they get to work on. When, when we asked the respondents, you know, what kind of an impact is this going to have on your business? It, it wasn't really very significant. Most of them, um, 70% said they anticipated only a minor to moderate impact uh, and not more than a 5% revenue increase in the new project revenue tied specifically to those federal infrastructure dollars. So I wanted to kind of get a gauge of what you, how do you all feel about that? It probably obviously has a, has a, it has to do with what type of markets you work in. So those people who work in more of those types of projects are going to see a better, you know, return there. But how do you see this shaking out in the next, you know, couple of years as far as growth opportunities for your firms uh, with projects directly tied to these infrastructure uh, funds? Wendy, you want to jump in there? Sure. You know, we've been studying the bill and its implementation, you know, to in better understand impacts on the industry and our business. Um, you know, we feel overall the impacts of the bill are likely take years to be realized. And, you know, it could result in direct, you know, project opportunities, but we're not viewing it as a major driver of our business. We don't, you know, it's more additive than, than a core strategy. You know, one, an example of, you know, why that's true is, um, you know, as an example, the, the bill includes $5 billion DOE grant um, that's a billion dollars per year that will fund innovative transmission distribution and storage approaches um, that harden systems or increase resiliency. So how innovative is defined and the types of technologies and projects that are brought forward are gonna really determine whether it results in construction opportunities. You know, it could be software that, you know, that is, you know, wins those grants. Um, you know, and, and as we study the bill, it seems that implementations of many facets of it appear to be open to interpretation. And so therefore, I think, you know, time will provide a better view of whether there's true market opportunities that emerge. Um, and, you know, the problem is I think it's going to take time, right? That's a great point. Yes. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think I think Wendy hit a key one there, and that we just don't know how it's going to be implemented. We know that there's going to be dollars flowing, but but what are going to be the rules behind those dollars? We I guess we would have been one that would have said it is going to have a major impact on the business, and and I think a lot of it is driven by we we do have an energy business, our our Intech Solutions business that that is involved in both electrification of vehicles as well as distributed energy. And, you know, you're seeing on both sides of that, you're seeing a lot of opportunities. You're, you're seeing, you know, the push for electrification in states like California. I think that said by 2035, they're not going to be selling any internal combustion engines anymore. But at the same time, there's rolling grid, um, you know, blackouts where, where you know, they don't have power. So they're not going to power to charge the vehicles, which means there's going to have to be, you know, some key factors that are happening from a distributed energy standpoint. So we, we've got some, we probably have placed some bets in, in that marketplace and, and where it's going. And, and so we do believe here in, in the next five years, it's going to have a pretty major impact on our business. That's great to hear. Gail, how do you feel it's going to be affecting Inglet and subs? I think from our end, and Wendy uh, touched on it, but there's just a lot of unknowns. And I think filling the gaps is where we're going to add value to the equation. Um, a lot of people want to push that implementation, uh, you know, getting rid of internal combustion engines by 2035. I think it's a lofty goals and it's it's a lot more than just placing an EV charger in your parking lot and, and moving on. I think uh, I I think those implementing the bill are gonna need some help understanding what, what that entails. And um, both from a grid perspective, a medium voltage uh, implementation perspective, and then the, the EV charger side. So. It's it's a it's a lot more of a wholesale solution that's going to be needed, and I don't think uh, I don't think the thought process has quite been put in place yet. Definitely, it's definitely a lot, isn't it? Um, when you think about you know how did they establish gas stations on every corner? You know how is this actually going to work? Um, and it's there it's there are no easy answers here. So um, that's interesting to hear. Uh, the actually according to the the respondents to the survey. They definitely found EV work was, um, they felt like that was going to have the biggest influence uh, followed by roads and bridges. Do you all agree with that? Or, uh, you know, is there a lot, there's a lot in that plan um, that goes for, you know, broadband and all kinds of other things, grid, as Wendy mentioned. Uh, but do you, do you feel like EV is the top one that's going to affect our industry the most? Or what are your thoughts on the dif different categories that it encompasses? Brian, what, how do you think that's going to shake out there with the different c categories and components of that bill that are now going to be implemented into the industry? Yeah, we've certainly seen an uptick in our EV charging uh, work that we've, we've put in. And so we're doing more and more of that. Um, is that more commercial or is it huge, like institutional or is it, you know, hospitals and those kinds of things? What kind of market? Yeah, we've, we've seen both. We've seen quite a bit from... Uh, the healthcare industry, but we've also seen a lot in the commercial side that people wanted to provide that for their employees mm -hmm. as, as one of the perks. Um, we have a utility division, and I think with the roads and the infrastructure that's going to be passed, that'll be a nice boon for our business as we look to do, you know, do signals, uh, look to do roadways, um, fiber, the different things that are going to take place in that regard. And then like everyone's mentioned, I'm very bullish on that because with all of this demand for the electrical, the grid is going to have to be upgraded. Right. And there's going to be a lot of work that's going to take place on that electrical grid over the near future just to be able to sustain and put up with all of the demands that electrical is going to have on it with all this, uh, all this infrastructure is going to be put in. 
Absolutely. And we've run several articles in the magazine and online recently about, you know, EVs in the market, building up this infrastructure. And, you know, some of the things we heard again and again was uh, the owners don't really understand it. So they, they're going to be relying on you all to educate them on you, they haven't thought of all these things that you're mentioning, you know, what level chargers are you going to need? How many of this, how are you going to sustain it? How's this going to happen? So are you anticipating that you all are going to have to educate the customers on this because, you know, where else are they, they're probably going to have to look to you all to get that information since it's such a new thing. Tom, do you have any, want to kick that off? Yeah, I think, I think the education is huge. I mean, so we're working with a lot of uh, dealerships as well as a lot of fleet vehicle customers around this. And, and they just, they, at times it seems like it's just as simple as give me a charger and, and I'll plug it in and I'll charge my vehicle. We had a dealership install, um, you know, was required to install a, uh, an EV charger to, to be able to get the electric vehicle, um, started plugging it in and, and their utility rates more than doubled. Um, mm-hmm. And it was all because of the time that they were plugging in their vehicle and, and, and peak energy um, charges. So there's going to be an education, not only on what does it mean EV, but when should you be plugging your vehicles in and, and how do you optimize the cost? Because these are going to be a, a big strain on, on their, their electrical usage. So this is going to have to be a long educational process and, and it's going to be kind of in steps right now. Everybody just wants chargers because they're right. going to have electric vehicles and in particular in fleets, but, but how's it going to impact their business and how's it going to impact the cost of their business is going to be important as well. It's definitely going to be something to watch. Like Wendy said, this isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to be happening to evolve and see something, you know, how, what happens after several years of this. So let's, let's change, uh, take a turn to, I'd like to talk about a disconnect that came up in the survey results that I noticed Uh, this year, 49% of the respondents said they believed it would be the end of this year, 2022, before the industry was actually back to normal from the pandemic, from the pandemic, the lingering effects of the pandemic, let's say. Um, However, 37%, so almost as many respondents felt that it was already back to normal. So there's obviously, um, you know, I'm not sure what's driving that, you know, half and half, half say we're back to normal, half say we're not back to normal. So, you know, what is back to normal, I guess. Um, So does anybody have any thoughts on that? How has it specifically affected your firms, um, you know, with the lingering effects of the pandemic? Jeff, would you like to start off with that? Sure. Uh, We're at record employment levels and and our revenues impacted somewhat by the inflation, uh, but still we're seeing a strong demand for our services. And I I think our competitors are too, although I can't speak for them, but mm-hmm. uh, we continue to see more interest in the electrification of America, uh, undergrounding some utility services by some of our uh, utility customers on the West Coast. And I think we're very well positioned uh, with our safety performance, which is really key to our customers. And of course, it's key to retaining and attracting people to our, our business. So, uh, I'd like to make sure that we still, in our organization, stay focused on what happens in the field. Uh, we're anywhere between 82 and 80, 89% uh, people that are direct labor. And a lot of us have come from the field, but really trying to focus on what gets done in the field is really key to our business. And back to trying to re- attract people into our industry, you look what happened in the pandemic. And, you know, a lot of us worked from home and, uh, but our few people were out there every day carrying our company on their backs and they dealt with the things outside of work that we also had to deal with. So try to focus on the field, trying to be proactive and listening with the, 
the, where the market's headed with the customers. But um, again, we still see an increase in demand for our services and our employment levels. And uh, we just need to make sure that we can execute and do it safely. Uh, Brian, how does your front, where do you fall on, on that spectrum as far as are things back to normal? Are they not back to normal? When do you think they will be back to normal? Or is there even a back to normal, which we've kind of, I think that's kind of the theme so far that we've been talking about. And I think it depends on how you view that question. If you look at it from the standpoint of what is, is it back to normal with the number of projects that you're seeing? Uh-huh. The answer is absolutely yes. In fact, I would argue that it's even at a hyper scale from what we had prior to the pandemic for a lot of the reasons that we've mentioned earlier. There's a lot of money on the sideline that's now being put into play. The government continues to print money and to put it out into the economy that's causing a lot of opportunities for us as electrical contractors to have a, in our case, the highest backlog that we've had in our history. Okay. Now, if you look at it at the converse and say, is it back to normal as it relates to the supply chain? No, it's not. We are continuing to have problems with getting material with getting uh, parts and gear to our job sites. The lead times are extraordinarily long and it causes a lot of headache for us as we plan our projects. And so I can see the respondents saying both cases. It's, right. it's it is back to normal. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting through the, the, the supply chain issues, it's probably another year or two before we're caught up to where I think normal lead times, what we've, had, what we've had for our careers, it's kind of back to normal. Mm-hmm. That's those are great points. What's your take on that, Miller? Yeah, I just add to that. I, yeah, I think normal. What normal was is is mm-hmm. over. We're not going back, and it's it's not necessarily a bad thing that the amount of innovation and adapting that the the team here at England Stubbs has done is is impressive. And uh, you know, without the the conditions and the challenges we've had over the past two years two and a half years, it, it wouldn't have happened. And we're, we're better off for it. We're stronger for it. Uh, I think, you know, as far as the new normal, what normal is going to be, uh, like Brian said, we're, we've got another year or two before we see how these delays and uh, equipment shortages and whatnot all, all shake out. But I think, you know, somewhat the, the expectation has, has normalized to things are going to be a problem. You're going to have problems on every project. It's how you communicate and work with the team to, to get through those challenges is what sets you apart. That's, those are great points. Okay, it looks like we're you know getting close to time. We don't want to take up uh, too much time. I want to wrap this up. Um, I did want to get uh, some insight from you all on what you think the next big things uh, to watch are going forward. We've talked about some things you know throughout this discussion, but is there anything that you want to uh, you know point out that you think your firms are going to be watching trends. It could be trends, technologies, anything, you know, through the end of this year into next year uh, that you foresee being, uh, you know, big things to watch. Gail, you want to start that off? Yeah. One thing we've been pushing in England and Stubbs is modularization, planning, and predictability. Okay. Um, and I think, I think that's something owners are going to want to see more of is, is how can they take this building and I apologize, I, I, I think Jeff brought it up earlier, but how can, how can we take this building, break it up into chunks, build it offsite and create a predictable project so where we can, we are now part of their cash flow and not, uh, not an opportunity for risk. So that's something that we're working with our labor partners and uh, kind of developed a lot of our processes in-house to you know, push for that. 
and, and really try to sell it to jobs as a, as a solution. Um, that involves really getting ahead on conversations. And this pandemic has really put us in touch with owners a lot more so and uh, given us the opportunity to present that as a viable option to, to get around all the struggles we're seeing now. Okay, great. Wendy, what are you seeing at MIR Group? Well, when I think of the big picture and I think of the conversation we've been having here today, the intersection of aspiration and implementation will be an important factor in our industry going forward. So whether it's utilities declaring they're going to be carbon-free by 2050 or government incentives and mandates for clean energy and electrification, you know, the challenges in finding practical solutions that result in a reliable, efficient energy system, you know, in the proposed timeframes. And, you know, I think many organizations and systems and technologies will be stretched in an effort to achieve these goals. And I think Gail brought up the point earlier that there's a lot of gaps, right? And how do you fill in those gaps to what, you know, whether the funding's there, the goals are there, you know, how do we close those gaps and the timeframes that are being proposed? So I think we need to monitor, you know, this to determine where actual construction opportunities are going to emerge in the future. And, it's, it, I think it's going to be interesting to watch that and it will drive, you know, a lot of things in our business. Definitely. It's going to be interesting to have this conversation next year. We should come back and see, you know, what actually did happen, what, you know, any new things that happened, did anything really pan out from this infrastructure plan? You know, there are a lot of unknowns. So I really appreciate everyone uh, giving their insight on this from, you know, these really large electrical contracting firms. Well, it looks like we're about out of time. I think we need to wrap it up. Um, I, I want to thank everyone so much to our group of executives for sharing their insight, industry knowledge and experiences with us today on the key trends in the electrical contracting arena. It'll be interesting. Maybe we can get the same group together next year and see what actually happened with all of these predictions and survey results. Uh, in closing, I'd also like to thank Senior Associate Editor Ellie Coggins and Associate Editor Michael Morris for editing and putting these podcasts together, making them available to all of our readers and listeners. For more information, visit our website, ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the Members Only Portal on our website for more podcasts and other great content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.